It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and this week begins a four-show plate honesty. Because me and Marcus kind of got behind on time, so I didn't realise there would be four shows from Fleet and BWF over the last month. They've been quite busy. Um, so we're going to look at some Fleet over this show. We're going to look at Origin 46 and number version 47. Next week, obviously, we'll be looking at version 48 and version 49, because that makes sense. So joining me from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is Mr. Marcus Green. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Um, glad we got has to get caught up on some uh, Ring of Honor and Impact covering uh, Multiverse and uh, obviously Supercard. But uh, yeah, yeah, we will, all, we, we will always get back to Glee. And uh, these are two great shows to get back into it with. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yes, if you want to go back and listen to last week's show, we did talk about Supercard of Honor and the Impact New Japan Multiverse, as well as Effie's Big Gay Brunch with uh, uh, Anna and um, uh, Chelsea. Um, so yeah, so if you want to go back and listen to them, we did that last week. But we're talking about Glee this week, so let's get started. The first show, that's Origin 46, um, was at Shinjuku Face, everyone's favourite wrestling nightclub, in front of 303 people, and opened with Isu Enetsukaya and Yuiska defeating 60 seconds, Kiichi Saito and Oji Shiba in 10 minutes and 44 seconds. This was very much your standard Glee opening young guys tag team match to get people into the show. Um, they're kind of building a rep for some classic shows at Shinjuku Face. Um, the intimate audience, and what really made me stand out about this match was the ridiculous risks they took in this particular show, considering how close the audience are to ringside and there's no barriers. Um, and I guess they're pretty lucky that people in Japan don't sue very often, was my opinion of this match. But the actual match itself was fantastic, really loved it. But you know, there was a lot of diving from very big guys. Um, into a very open front row. <laughs> what did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, like you said, standard lead opener. Uh, you won't find a bad lead opener. It's like how Impact always opens with those great X Division bouts. Um, but um, this was the precursor. I'm glad you brought up the concept of, you know, Japanese fans not suing much because I was they respect and have a deep admiration for the product. But on this particular show with this level of intimacy, this match started what would, would have been like, because by the end of the night, because of how this match started, by the time we got to the end, I'm like, whoever's sitting there, just move. <laughs> just, just leave that section open. In fact, just leave, don't, nobody pick the chairs up. Just leave that how that is. Like, it, it was to the point where it's like, I felt like the cameraman like was cutting at the last second so like the, the viewing audience wouldn't have to, see it later like oh okay they just keep going to that same spot okay yeah but um outside of me kind of just shaking my head at whoever was you know continuing to have to sit there uh yeah this was a great opening 60 seconds and then and, and you know he's saying then against he's saying you so you know you guarantee you know no matter how much time they uh give them you guaranteed a good good time oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, all four of these guys all four of these guys can go, and um, they really did not back down in this match. And, uh, yeah, especially guys like, um, I mean, Iska and, and Onitsukaiko are obviously getting quite a lot of time on the show, and so is Sato. 
And Oji Shiba is a 60 seconds member, but doesn't get as much screen time as the others. So that was really interesting to watch him again and seeing how he's developing as a wrestler. What's your thoughts on Sato's mustache? Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. It was interesting addition. Always, uh, you know, because I'm used to with, with the you know Glee performers. Everybody kind of sticks to, you know, their look for the most part. I'm, I'm forgetting the blanket on the name right now. The sons of uh, the the family, Jan's family. We've been getting used to the uh, the evolution <laughs> of Jan's family aesthetically, but for the most part, I was appreciated because a lot of these guys keep their you know their you know aesthetic with whatever paint or make up makeup they have or the hairstyle but this particular mustache it was it was off putting for a second but i, I kind of got used to it um but it, as listeners would know we are uh aesthetic connoisseurs in certain in certain ways on here so yeah if you want um some entertainment if you can go find it on instagram on um the world the day-to-day um show john Oliver's show it's not kind of what john Oliver's show is called in the united states John Oliver's show, uh, last week tonight, that's it. Well, last week tonight, this week, John Oliver did an entire two minutes on Vince McMahon's mustache. <laughs> and he said he would like to do an entire show around Vince McMahon's mustache. But here we are. Um, so, yeah, yeah you, you would think with his years of dictatorship that he would have been rocking that look, but you know. <laughs> Just, you know. No, clearly he wanted to look like he was um, going to be the evil henchman in a uh, 1920s silent movie, but there you go. That was his true calling in life, and we've missed out on that. And the other, we said we had the other horrors he uh, portrayed on the world. Anywho, at the end of this match, speaking of Jan's family, um, having attempted kidnap <laughs> before and it not worked, and just generally mugging him, um, Jan's family decided that they would just ask nicely for Isayanitskaya to come and join them for a tag team match on the next show. And amazingly, that worked. So there you go. <laughs> just ask nicely. Don't threaten violence or anything. Just ask nicely. They were then beaten up, of course, by Black Generation International. Um, run the show at the moment and, <laughs> just, and that kind of set up a tag team match for uh well there was a main event of black generation versus jen's family on this show so that's what they were building towards with that um and you know the two hot new heel ish um factions trying to go at one another that was that was kind of cool um any thoughts on this interchange yeah i mean it was, it was funny at the because at first i had to I looked away and then I had to go back because I thought they had asked somebody to join and then they ended up jumping them. And then I was like, okay, that's black generation. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you said, I think that, you know, um, it's cool to see them just asking nicely instead of going that weird other route. Um, but other than that, you know, just, it, it, I mean, it makes sense. These guys are gaining uh, momentum in terms of uh, additions. And when you I mean, just having Ito on their squad, you know, kind of sets them apart and it makes them a contender. So I just think, you know, it's just smart for them to come out there and continue to assert dominance as we're going to see. Uh, not all things hold true in terms of being strong-armed across these two shows. You know, P 
people are very much fighting back and people are getting wins that you probably wouldn't expect in certain situations, which I appreciate because it keeps things uh, very, if you will. Indeed. Let us move on to the next match, which was a Joshi match. Michiko Miyagi and Ikari Hosokawa, the hometown girls of Clayton, up against Sendai's finest, Miki Iwata and Manami. Now, I'm guessing this is the first time you've seen Manami wrestle. Yeah, yeah, uh, pleasantly to my surprise. Um, how how old do you think Manami is? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of keep it light. Maybe forty one. <laughs> She's eighteen. And she was the one in the red, correct? No, she was the one in the blue. Iwata was the one in the red. How how old do you think Manami, the one in the blue, was? The one that's on screen now as we're watching it together. Okay. Based on her wrestling acumen and her presence and her just her physical look, how old do you think she is? Okay, you said Manami's, what, 18? Yeah, eight, she's 18 years old. But did you know she's a five-year pro? I want to say it makes sense because I feel like we've had a conversation where you told me uh, a young lady either started younger than that or at that age. Yeah, there, there was a couple of uh, girls in Ice Ribbon started younger than that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Minami has been, I, I literally saw her debut match like five years, not a debut match, but a couple of matches in. And after six months, like the Joshi promotions were putting her in main events. You know, she's like, she's on the the Minami Toyota Raja Kong Bull Nakano trajectory. She's that good. Um, and she was trained by Mako Satomura in, in the dojo. Um, and um, Dash Chisako and the Sendai seniors have really looked after her, including Michiko Miyagi. She was, she was in just, she was the class before uh, Minami started. So yeah, she's just just incredible. Her eighteen years old, she has so much presence, and you know it's just insane to think like how good she is. Awata we've seen before. Obviously, she's absolute stellar performer and one of the stiffest kickers in pro wrestling today. Um, Hosokawa again, she's eighteen years old also, so that was a good matchup for Hosokawa. I think she was the girl we talked about before, isn't it really? Um, and then Michiko Miyagi is Michiko Miyagi. And this was a fun little match of seniors and juniors from Sendai going up against seniors and juniors from Clayt. Um The seniors and juniors from Sendai having the edge because they've worked together a lot more before. Obviously, we talked last time we talked, Tosokawa's had some time off to graduate high school, <laughs> which is fair enough. That seems reasonable. Uh, what did you think of this match, Marcus? I really dug it. This was my introduction to um, Manami and Iwata. And, um, yeah, I mean, Manami, like, obviously, Young Gun and, and, and killing it very efficient and flu and everything that she did. But to me, Iwata kind of caught my eye because she was absolutely peppering the kicks and the shots. And uh, also, towards the end, they turned things up. I mean, obviously, Miyagi is going to shake a stick in and, and uh, Yukari uh, definitely put up a fight, but it, it felt like Manami and Iwata were in a different gear. Um, and and that's why they got the win here. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. These, these ladies really turned it up following that first match. Iwata's something special. 
She just really is. There's no one. I mean, there's no one on the jersey scene. Through, well, I'm mean, sure there are wrestlers who are like her, but you know, I've not seen anyone with that mix of presence and kicks since Asuka, really, um, when she was, you know, in her previous life in the Joshi professional wrestling. Um, she's got everything and is the total package and is probably going to be, you know, she's the long-term bet for this future of Sendai girls, really. Um, and she's like, where is she at the minute? I suppose she's like second or third in line at the top of the card in Sendai because of Big Hash and Dash as well. So yeah, she's she's outstanding, and Minami is something special. I have not seen like just watching her deliver that drop kick to Hosokawa is just perfection. Every time you see her wrestle, she's just polishing this absolutely amazing body of work that she already has. Um, she's going to be an absolute star as long as she isn't burnt out. That's the only issue you get with Joshi is sometimes they get overexposed and just just stop because <laughs> they just get worn yeah, out. That's understandable and just with that that I mean, you know, like you say, if you do it a lot and then with that style as well, it just kinda just rapidly ages you. Um mm. uh in ter- terms on, on the body anyway. But uh yeah, I think both of these shows were like um like it was just some beautiful drop kicks across both of these shows from the men and the women. Like oh, I'm yeah. talking about like like on the button, like I I'm not missing your chin drop kicks. <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. No, there's some stiff, stiff stuff in this show. Anywho, oh, and Hosokawa has improved greatly, especially with the submissions. Just watch her delivering that rolling arm bar, which is absolute perfection. That Northern Light suplex she has as well is just fantastic. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I was, I was thinking about it for a second. I was like, if this would have been um, a UWF match, I don't know if it would have went ten minutes and twenty three seconds. No, that's the, yeah. This is the thing. I mean, they do slow their pace down in a in a in a regular quote unquote wrestling match because obviously they've got bigger moves to do and stuff, and they kind of space things out a little bit more. But equally, if they were if Osakawa did like the submission style of UWF, um, a bit more like Miyagi does, I think she'd fit in well there. But I think probably it's because she's the pro and um, Funami's the tutor so that's never the twain shall meet you've got one so why go with your strength i suppose isn't it really yeah yeah but now it's the win over hosakawa to take the win in that particular match 10 minutes and 23 seconds excellent match you should go watch it next up we had the intriguing tag team match of jun tosho and tetsuizuchi going up against t-hawk and Samuel watanabe 12 minutes and 23 seconds of a bit of a friendly technical match what did you think of this Oh, this was good. This was fine. I mean, Watanabe, T-Hawk, and, you know, obviously guys from 60 seconds for the best you're going to see consistently in Glee. Um, and across these two shows, Watanabe got some good shine. Um, T-Hawk is, you know, obviously it's good. And like I said, 60 seconds always turns it up in any scenario. So, uh, yeah, like you said, some friendly good stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, Watanabe and T-Hawk end up taking the win. Uh, and we're going to gonna see more on more on them later so yeah good good stuff yeah definitely yeah. this was another match where we were really <laughs> worried for the safety of the audience to be honest because there was awful lots of area work in this match in an arena that's not really big enough to have guys this size flying around but there you go 
<laughs> yeah, no, you, you're not wrong. And it, it's not like guys just like doing dives. Some some of this stuff was like obviously overshot. <laughs> I was like, no, this this would have been the one time where it's like um the the guy from um I forgot what his name was that that kind of kind of messed up on SmackDown when he uh with the rap group when he kind of messed up on the dive. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. That this that that we kind of needed those type of dives. Obviously less dangerous in terms of uh affecting the wrestler, but yeah, this this like I said that that entire section just needed to be cleared out. Uh, but yeah, the, I think the audience enjoyed it anyway. But it's always interesting what they do with these type of intimate type settings because, like I said, it feels like from obviously 60 seconds on up all the way to bulk orchestra, everybody can. I'm thinking about the a Fosbury flop. It's like you like appreciate that audience, but I'm like, can we just get them? Like, if we're not gonna just like have them get a bunch of merch after the show, we just need them moved. Just get them moved. Because this, this looks like it hurts. Standing room only. Exactly. <laughs> Around the edge. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, this was fun. Um, and of course, hey, so what now? T Hawk get the win. Somewhat now, getting more wins. You like to see that. Yeah. The handsomest of all handsome men. Um, let's move on. Um, next up, interesting singles match with implications towards the late T-Rex Championship. Al Linderman challenges Czech Shimatani. This also had, um, you know, implications for the G-Infinity Championship as well. So um, Czech Shimatani takes on Al Linderman and Al Linderman sneaks a win, which secured him a championship match for the G-Infinity Tag Team titles on uh, version 47, which we'll talk about later. Um, but in the meantime, Czech Shimatani versus Al Linderman, you can't go wrong there, can you? That's just, just bread and butter for late. It is, it is our best wrestling heel. He is our best wrestling babyface. Go. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Czech's going to be annoying. Al Linderman's going to be amazing. And that's, that's all you need, isn't it? That's 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 a lot. There you go. Oh man, it was great. I mean, they they make ten minute and fifty uh, second matches feel like like full on main events. Um, and you said it right when you said Lenderman escaped <laughs> with a win because you know uh, Shimatama was 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 bringing the heat. Like the, the competition has significantly elevated. Um, obviously Lenderman was the man for a long time, and the competition was stiff even then. But I feel like a lot of these guys. Have have stepped up their game since. Obviously, you know, with, with new competition in town and a new faction taking a stronghold in the promotion. So somebody like Czech, who was a part of the guys who, you know, are basically, you know, strong pillars in that band, Boca Orchestra. I mean, you know, they don't have a weak link in that stable. And somebody like Shima Tommy, you know, always kind of makes that known. So I think Linderman, you know, kind of, kind of. You know, kind of got put on notice a little bit, but he definitely did, you know, get out of this match. Uh, he beat him, but I don't know if he necessarily won, which, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure something he's not used to being a former G-Rex champion. So. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, Shimatani was hurtled into the front row in this match as well. So they were kind of pushing the boundaries on, on what, what they could do in this particular arena. Um but yeah, there was, this was a lot of back and forth, a lot of good storytelling as well. Because Shimitani is 
master with his facial expressions, really knows how to tell a story. And, you know, Lindemann kept ragging at the arm. And Shimitani, of course, a lot of his offense is based around the big man offense, even though he's not a big man. That's his gimmick. You know, I'm going to land lariats and body slams and power slams. So you take away his arms, that was Lindemann's plan. So they have loads of stuff to go at. And just brilliant. Just really good, solid pro wrestling done in... This is what I get about Glate and why I enjoy it so much is it's not difficult. <laughs> no. You know, it's just not. It's not hard. Not difficult. The roster's not bloated. The championships aren't, you know, they don't have, you know, 10 to 15 championships. You know, it's a, it's a, it just it keeps things, you know, all you got to do is learn the guys. You know, thankfully, they, they, a lot of these guys are broken off into a faction, so you can keep up that way. And, uh, yeah, they just, like you said, simple storytelling. If you can't understand somebody, you know, just want to smash their form and somebody else is not a lot, you need to go off into that. Like I said, some of these matches are just things you could just sit back and enjoy. Um, and, obviously, it, it turns up a little bit with the, with the nuances of it when you talk about the UWF. And uh, coming up here, we're going to talk about a match that, a format of a match we're not used to uh, in Glee. But, um they like they just keep they keep things varied and they keep things consistent, you know. Yeah, that's it. It it does remind me an awful lot of um like old school wrestling from the eighties that we know and love and watch all the time. Um and it boils down to kind of like um you know, just 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 keep it simple. That's all you need. You don't have to have like masses of different things to do stuff it's just a matter of like being able to organize the show um in a storytelling way that makes things a lot simpler to deal with and you know let the characters breathe and tell the story which is what these matches do um as hayato tomorrow's regular partner chuck shimitani was otherwise occupied he tagged up with quiet storm for change to up against Kulakant, Kazayashi, and Minoru Tanaka. Minoru Tanaka is your current Gay Aura World Television Champion in All Japan Pro Wrestling, as he brought his new belt with him. That's a championship that's been around for around about eight years. Gay Aura is the TV company that carries All Japan Wrestling in Japan, and they've been the sponsors of that belt ever since. So, you know, champion of Gay Aura TV. Um, and uh, yeah, what happened was in this particular match, Quiet Storm pins Minoru Tanaka, setting up a Gayora TV Championship match on the next card for Glate, which was really quite interesting. Minoru Tanaka does actually take a lot of losses in Glate, and I wonder how that affects his booking in All Japan, because he always seems to come back with a championship belt when he's in All Japan. <laughs> I don't know why, but there you go. So they, they, I mean, I think as well, it's kind of like he's the booker of the the advisor of the the UWF division. So I suppose, you know, it's the gentlemanly thing. Consider the gentlemanly thing to do as management not to take wins all the time. Um, as Kas Hayashi, who's the, like, you know, technical advisor of the regular, of the Glate division, he doesn't, you know, win many matches at all because they're older guys and they're seniors and they're trying to put people over. Um, but equally, it's like, it intrigues me as about how his all Japan booking is affected by his Glate booking. Do you get what I mean, Marcus? No, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that with different guys before. It's not, it's not, unless you're just that guy and and is positioned in such a way that um, 
you you know you really come off as untouchable um when you're just that hot of a commodity i think you know you you can you know kind of be elevated in one place and then kind of be leveled out another but still i think because of who he is and what he does and and i think while that is an interesting stat particularly with, with glee because um we see him so much like it's not many shows he misses Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that speaks to his uh, versatility because in a lot of ways, when you were talking, I was thinking about him in terms of somebody else that, you know, still a huge fan of, even though a lot of his star power is Wayne just because of the book and not because of his talent. He's kind of like a like a Dolph Ziggler to me in that, you know, he really is for Glee like an all-purpose player. You know, whether it be singles, tag, UWF, what have you, you can put him in any slot and he delivers um, and obviously, 100% believe what he can get a win, but if he get a loss, it's still, you know, it's still good. And obviously, lends credibility to somebody like, I mean, look, I don't think you can really feel bad in a defeat to Bulk Orchestra. I mean, like I said, they still, you know, feel like mountains to climb. But, you know, I think Minora was just really that, that Swiss Army knife when it comes, you know, for Gleet. And then obviously elsewhere, you know, he can kind of be the man because I kind of looked up that championship or cage match and those champions with that title tend to have for the most part long reigns like in the 200 day mark so um you know he all, he's also clearly in, in for, from their perspective dependable as well so you know i think it, it speaks to like i said his consistent versatility but you know somebody like Minoru can stand to get more wins particularly uh you know in glee uh which thankfully you know, we did get a chance to see. Uh, so, yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, so this match was really good and Quiet Storm and uh, Tamora take the championship. Well, it wasn't a championship match. They take the win, um, which, of course, like I said, sets up Quiet Storm for a gear or a TV championship match. Um, however, at the end of the match, there were some intruders also from All Japan Pro Wrestling i be Saito Jun and Saito Rei from Voodoo Murders, which is one of the biggest um, factions in all Japan pro wrestling. Been around for just over a decade, has had some incredible names in it. Um, uh, I'll list off the Voodoo Murders names in a second, but uh, they challenged for the um, upcoming... Um, well, they challenged Chechen Matani and Tamora to a match for the G-Rex Championship, which shows you kind of the depth that they are currently looking to try and attract um, from All Japan and the different people that they work with. You know, we've had some big guests, OIJ last year, Sonata, and um, uh, Bushi came over. Obviously, Minoru Suzuki before um, Shingo Takagi has come down for Glate. Um, I'm not sure if that agreement is still in place. I think it was for the year, basically, until El had done World Tag League, or Super J Tag Cup. So they've gone back to World Japan. Of course, the other Tamora wrestles for Glate on a regular basis, and he's is in their shoot division, in their UWF division. So, yeah, this is intriguing. What did you think of this, Marcus? Knowing that you don't speak Japanese, you probably had a hard time following what was happening. <laughs> yeah, I was excited because I was basically waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but but I knew that that again, this is another great thing that they do, and they don't. And thankfully, they don't do this every match. Um, but it, it does help continue the story immediately because it doesn't necessarily allow you 
um, to go like, okay, this guy just had this big match and lost. What now? Or, you know, this guy's kind of been middling. What now? Like, no, new challenges are stepping up all the time. So I appreciated that. And I, another thing that's, you know, talking about how, you know, consistent lead is they've been real good about um, not just, you know, knowing how good it is to collaborate, but knowing who to collaborate with and who to bring in and keeping that relationship, however solid or fluid, if you will, um, working within that to, you know, not just have guys on the show just to say you got guys and, oh, here's a name uh, to kind of, you know, boost views or whatever, but, like, have guys on there that make sense, that match up well, that uh, can kind of bring out the best, you know, not only for them, but for obviously for the guys that's on their roster that they're trying to highlight. So, um, and obviously, like, logically looking contenders as well, because you can't have guys come out there like, um, you know, you don't have guys coming out after these matches on the Marco stunt side of the, of, of things, <laughs> challenging challenging guys from Borco Orchestra to the championship matches, so that helps too. I'd love to see that. As in the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle stunt challenging, dude, like quiet storm. <laughs> He'd have a go. He'd be fine. Uh, yeah, the current lineup of uh, BD Murders is Taro, Chris Vice, Kono, Jen Sato, and Ray Sato. Um, Toshizo, Shogun Nakamato, Shuji Kondo, um, of course, who we know quite well. Um, Yoshitsuri Yokoyama, and Suama. Uh, the, the current um, number one contenders of the Triple Crown. Uh, former members include Brother Yashi, Kenso, Giant Bernard, who's Prince Albert, who runs the NXT, the NXT Performance Center these days, Choke Palombo, Johnny Stamboli, Buchanan, D'Lo Brown, Roy Zed, uh, Satoshi Kojima, Zodiac, Silver King, the late lamented Silver King, Aldavari, Lance Hoyt, Minoru, not Minoru Suzuki, Minoru, uh, Lance Cade, Rene Dupree, Charlie Haas, Big Daddy Voodoo, that is, um, you know, um, Mabel or Viscera from the WWE, Bizarre, Kenta Miyahara, Tashi Tizagazawa, Kengo, Kamazaki, Kamikaze, James Raiden, Bob Sapp, uh, Taki Sugara, Masato Tanaka, Yuji Hino, Asuka, and a guy we know very well, one Hartley Jackson, who was a member from 2017 to 2018. And speaking of um, Harley Jackson, he's in the main event on this particular show. Um, where are we? Do, 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 do. Yes. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to the next match. Kazuma Sakamoto defeated Sima and Katoru Suzuki to make him the number one contender to the G-Rex Championship. 13 minutes and 42 seconds of a three-way dance, which was really actually quite entertaining. I did not mind this at all. There was a bit of comedy from Seema at the beginning when um, Suzuki had Sakamoto in a figure four leg lock and he flipped them over back and forth to see which one would get could submit first and then eventually tried to get a camel clutch on Sakamoto whilst Suzuki had him in a figure four leg lock. Um, and that was fun. I like that. There was some intriguing bits there. But generally speaking, this was okay. Not my personal cup of tea because you know how I feel about multi-man matches. Well, they they subverted the genre a little bit, and I appreciate that. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you, and I, I'm primarily a fan of the multi-man matches. It took a little acclimate too because it it, it was like <laughs> like um submission friendly, obviously, but submission friendly in a way of like instead of like trying to interrupt the submission, which gets annoying for me in multi-man matches. Like I'm gonna 
I'm going to lock on a sharpshooter. Oh, this is a perfect time for me to add a crossface. Like, no. Like, it's, it's, you're not going to just double tap out or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. But um, here, like you said, it, it added to the entertainment aspect, which particularly was Sakamoto. Um, and it took a little getting used to because I was like, oh, okay, this is getting old to a point. But then obviously things turned up. And uh, I think, yeah, like you said, Sakamoto walked away with the win. Uh, which would very much, uh, you know, lead to the preceding show's events. So it was cool, like you said, like you not necessarily my cup of tea, but it got the job done with, with three guys who normally don't get a spotlight. And then, like I said, we don't normally see a three-way in Glee, uh, you know, on the regular either. So this was this was interesting. Yeah. yeah. We were talking earlier about Minoru Suzuki being like the Swiss Army knife. I think the same can be said of, uh, for Katoro Suzuki on the heel side. I mean, the work he does for Noah and for DDT and for Glate now, you know, he's got such a depth in his approach. Um, he's kind of like the ultimate utility bad guy. <laughs> he's, he's the reusable henchman. Um, and also, it kind of put up Sakamoto's sing, single credentials because he didn't really... Let's be blunt, he didn't have a lot of singles credentials before this match. Because I yeah. can't think of any singles matches he's had before this match. Maybe one or two. Um, but that meant, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was particularly believable for him to come and, like, you know, take this championship match straight away, considering the fact we've not seen him in singles competition or even in tag competition much in the last six months. Um, and, but then again, these two did their absolute level best to get him over, and it made him look like a monster who could stand up to anyone, and that's what they needed in this particular matchup. So, yeah, no, I was into this. I thought it was cool that that way that, that Sakamoto walked his game, as well as, you know, how they managed to get him over too. All right, then. So that's how I decided the main event of the next card. But let us go back to the main event of this particular card, which was a six-man tag team match. Yan's family, Masata Kamino, Takanori Ito, and Yusuke Kadama, went up against Black Generation International, Hartley Jackson, Keito Ishida, and Yutani. 18 minutes and 35 seconds of aerial brawling, I think is what you could say. Kind of a mix and match of aerial work, a lot of mat work, some, some chucking people in the crowd and throwing them about a bit. There was some aerial stuff from Yoshida and Itani, Hartley Jackson hurtling people around. This had everything for everybody. A match of all tastes. <laughs> You can't go wrong with this. If you didn't like something about this match, then then you really don't enjoy wrestling because everything happened. What did you think of this one, Marcus? I mean, exactly what you said. This was look, man. This had everything you could want. Uh, you know, the guys. You know, from you know sizes and styles, approaches, you name it. It had it. But my favorite all-time thing, consistently with any match that this guy's in, is when Ito just goes off. <laughs> it goes off and takes and takes individuals to his own version of Suplex City, um, which we know would end in his beautiful avalanche, which is what was about to happen here. Um, but then I think uh, got got counted and 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 uh, switched on. So um, like you know, BGI if you will, um, it, it still you know dictate pace in a way you know guys like. Jackson, um, Utah, and obviously led by, you know, Ishida, 
you know, that's a hard combination to beat. But I, but it is impressive to see how far Jan's family has come. And it's not, like I said, even though he told my favorite to watch in terms of just him having that spotlight, you know, he, you know, he didn't have a match on his back, you know, obviously Camino and, and uh, Yusuke, you know, really turned it up. But again, you know, Jackson, unless you knock him out at the beginning and he has to get stretched to the back, that's going to be a problem until that bell <laughs> So, you know, you know, for 18 minutes, 35 seconds, like you said, this was, this was, a, uh, this was a, a hell of a ride. I uh, Hartley Jackson's Instagram this week. He, um, he was wrestling an intergender match with this poor woman who must have been like four foot ten. And, um, he lariated her and he laid it in. And the voice of the, the, the reel on Instagram just goes, I'm sorry, little one. <laughs> Good God. Oh, I'll, that, I'll, yeah, I'll have to see how we find it for you and send it to you. Um, yeah, please. I, I feel like that's the version of the Deshaun to Rick. I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, this is insane. Uh, Hartley Jackson. Yeah. Um. But yeah. This. This is. This is just really kind of what. Um. Bulk Orchestra have been doing. That's not Bulk Orchestra. Um. Uh. What Black like Generation. Generation Mission International have been doing, and um, it's yeah, it's just been great. It's it, it's great to watch, and it's been. It, they are a proper heel team, and that's where they need to go right now. Um. So, yeah, and it gets them over. And that's kind of the whole point of you need an unstoppable force. Even if Jan family, Jan's family are the hot new thing, they yeah. kind of are still, you still need them to be the unstoppable force. I'm going to I'm gonna share this tab so you can see this now, so you can react to it. Uh, it doesn't appear to be coming up. Okay, then. I will send it to you on Twitter instead. Right now, this can Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I'll we'll, we'll, we'll play. I'll we'll see if it records. Oh no, not with the Thanos voice. That is hilarious. <laughs> 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 that is hilarious. Oh God bless her. Oh dear. Uh, who was it? Oh, it's about Fagan Pro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, first, the, first, yeah it's, the first comment on it is Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just you know you know you know somebody got hit hard when you see the hit but all you see is their legs. Yes. Oh man, there you go. But yes, um, he didn't he didn't actually tag who the person was in the post. He should do, but there you go. Anywho, so you go find it. Go in Harley Jackson's Instagram. It's a good follow. He's entertaining. He's fun. Yeah, you should watch it. Uh, where are we? Uh, oh yeah. So um, this match went on. And it was really good. There's some cool stuff from Jan's family as well. Um, we should talk about Kadama and um, we should talk about Kadama and um, Camino because they're they're doing some cool stuff and they're not kind of like because they're not great regulars. I think it adds a lot of flavor to the card. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Like, like I say, even even with the the, uh, the solid roster that they have, just introducing like you know, uh, I mean, we're gonna obviously get to him, but the guys like Commandeer and uh Commander and, and uh you know, bring in Flamita, guys like that that absolutely mixes it up, you know. 
introducing those those type of styles with, with a roster. That's already uber talented. Um, but now thinking about it, thank God. Talk about this first or thank God Flamita wasn't around. Jesus. They uh they, they, they might actually have sued if you had Flamita diving around, you know. But uh yeah, I mean it, it just it just it just keeps things, you know, um keeps the audience off their toes and, and keeps these matchups fresh and, and entertaining, particularly when they bring in guys like that and just add them to like a six man or, or you know, stay before like a like a main event that they usually do. Because the main events, unless it's for a title, are usually like six mans or something. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So after the match, as you would expect, Black Generation International will cock of the walk. So they took to the microphone and Ishida, you know, issued out his open challenge as he usually does. Um, but who should come down the aisle for a returning member of Orchestra? Orchestra we haven't seen in quite some time. That would be Reichi Karakami. He's been out of wrestling for, let me have a look at this, since 2022. His last match was, uh, his last match was in, against Borka, well, with Borka, straight against Stronghouse, Lindemann and Isayanuskaya uh, at version 36. So we haven't seen him for 13, well, a bit more than 13 shows. That was, where was that? That was last October. So he came back. Instantly got in Ishida's face, and his boys from Borka Orchestra came to back him up. Whilst the fans welcomed him home like a conquering hero, so it's good to see him back. Um, and obviously that brings Borka Orchestra back up to full strength, which is not what Black Generation International want, now is it, Marcus? No, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, even even when they're down a man, they're still a problem. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's, like, it's still a problem, but... Um... You know, not a dead one hundred percent back. I mean, you know, black generation just got to stay on their toes. You know, I mean, just alone, you could you could feel like months worth of a uh, of months worth of shows of, of you know back and forth beef between them and uh, the orchestra. But then you know you got uh, the cold hates, and then you got obviously Yon's family um, catching fire, and then obviously, in a lot of ways, strong hearts feels like the the chaos, the promotion. So you know. This is a lot of competition that's going to be constant uh, for these guys, which is, is just great because, you know, so many of these, you know, stables are collaborating and, and, and breaking off into their own things. and um, But that that's what's going to make, you know, Black Generation, like you said, not just how they, not just the guys that they have, how they execute this stuff as a heel stable, but this competition, like, because... You know, before them, it was Strong Hearts versus Bulk Orchestra. And then, obviously, 60 Seconds, I think, kind of got in where they fitted in. But now it's like uh, everybody's kind of lining up. It's like, you know, they sit on top of the mountain, and all these guys are lined up. And it's just great to see because, you know, there's endless amounts of competition. With them bringing in guys, like you said, like, you know, Camino, it's just only going to uh, gonna get more interesting from here. Yeah, yeah. Is very much giant Baba kind of booking and also Cowboy Bill Watts kind of booking. You know, Bill Watts' philosophy was you had a, you had three or four different sets of guys and each set of guys kind of went up against another set of guys and you went up and down. It wasn't really faction wrestling, but it was the basic principle of how episodic faction wrestling would work in the modern era. He eventually, he essentially, what you saw on Monday Night Raw and Monday Night Raw during the uh, Monday Night Wars is what Bill Watts had been doing for... Few years before then, 
Um, and, you know, Barbara had done similar things in the 80s, the revolution stable with... Um, uh, huh. <laughs> I can see the guy's face. <laughs> and it's just some kind of like, revolution, on Japan, I'm going to look it up. Revolution, oh, on Japan. Tenru, there you go. That's in the, yeah, the, the revolution stable with Tenru and, and you know, Kawada kind of built around that as well. Obviously, we talked a lot about how wrestling and romance or wrestling in, and uh, wrestling association and art was built around factions too. Um, and factions that moved from war to New Japan and all sorts of things. Anywho, but that's how Japanese wrestling has worked for a long time. And it's, it's a tried and tested formula, which was great. And hence the reason why this company exists. So we move on to... Um, Version 47, which was Osaka, Gorilla Hall Osaka. That's the best name. That might be the best name we've come across yet for a glacier. 372 people in attendance, um, and they were hot for this show as well. It opened with Jan's family, as we mentioned before, tagging with Issei Amitskaya, who they asked nicely, um, and they won. They beat 60 seconds with Kazayashi and Tetsuya Goto, 11 minutes and 22 seconds. This was fun. A lot of fun. And Amitsuka was... A little bit reluctant, but he joined in, did his best, and they won anyway. So that was good. That was nice. It was nice. What did you think of this, Marcus? <laughs> it was good. I mean, Yon's fan of what he say, and then, you know, uh, always a fan of sixty seconds with Cash and, and uh, Tetsuya. It was like you said, it was fun. It was cool. You know, Glee's always gonna stay consistent with these. They always consistent with these openers. But like we rarely had a clunker, um, if ever. And uh, yeah, this this was fun, good stuff, a lot of movement. It wasn't a cluster, uh, f if you will. And uh, yeah, again, Jan's family picking up momentum, picking up wins. Uh, you know, so getting allies and and W's. You can't be mad at it. Yeah, no, this was great. It was good. Um, yeah, kind of like more story to be told with Jan's family and on its Skyer, I feel as well. Yeah. Okay, we move on to uh, Minoru Tanaka. Oh, I needed to share this, didn't I? Let's share it so you can see it well. Put it on two times speed so we can get it going again. Maybe that's speed twice as fast. There we go. Um, skip it forward to the bit where we're starting. So, yes, where are we? We talked about that. Let's move on. Um, I'm going to edit all this stuff out, by the way. <laughs> um, next up was Minoru Tanaka versus Quiet Storm. For the Gaiera TV Championship. As we discussed, Quiet Storm earned his championship slot. The match went for nine minutes. Um, and it was really good. Um, it was like a mini main event. In fact, it was kind of too early on the card, really, for it to sink in. But there was a lot of stuff going on on this card. This card was a bit epic for what it was. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the cage match users give it an average of eight. <laughs> Admittedly, there's only one guy who's rooted. But you had a G Infinity title match, a G Rex Championship match, a UWF tag team match, and a bunch of other stuff happening as well. So yeah, this was good. Um, what did you think of this title match? I thoroughly enjoyed this. You know, even you know, even if it was under ten minutes, I feel like again using that classic JR phrase, they maximize their minutes here. Um, and it was cool to see when you know, like we coming off the last show, Menorah. Uh, take the win. 
And uh, it was a hard-fought victory because it was against Quiet Storm, who was anything but quiet. Um, <laughs> he talked loud and he hit loud, you know. Um, and it was like that that classic bulk style, uh, as expected, using the body. It's that mass to, you know, uh, take full effect on the opponent. And, and you know, he put Monoro through his paces. And much like we talked about uh, with, with uh, you know, uh, and with the Shexi Matami match, you know, Minoru kind of, he, he got him. He had to catch him slipping like in a pinning. And that's, that kind of goes to show you in both cases how you really kind of beat these vocal Kestra guys, both in tags and in singles. Because it's, I don't know if a lot of people got the stamina to stay with them or, or the power to just drop them and knock them out. Which is why you probably don't see them in a lot of UWF matches because it might just be unfair. Um <laughs> You know, you, you kind of have to outsmart him because I don't know if you can outlast him. So the fact that he caught him in a pending combination, um, you know, was smart. You know, you it, it ain't about, you know, winning in the big ways. It's just about winning, period, particularly as a champion. You know, so um, this was a good match. They could have went, you know, you know, 10 minutes long or what have you. Uh, but, yeah, this, this this was some good stuff. Yeah, and that, and that Goro TV title, uh, it looks good, too, so. Yeah, considering you know, its age of design from the early yeah. 2010s, it's it stood the test of time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let us move on then. So um, next up was uh, a Joshi match again, uh, this time featuring Hosokawa and Miyagi going up against Unagi Sayaki Sayaka. No, try again. Unagi Sayaka, Sayakai. And Itsuki Aoki. Itsuki Aoki was the one in red. Uh, Inagi is the one in white. Uh, Inagi's been on the shows before. We talked to her about her last time. This kind of brought out uh, some matches that were on previous white shows. Her and Miyagi don't like each other to start with. <laughs> Aoki's not that keen on her either. Um, and Hosokawa was kind of along for the road in the ride in this match. The basic principle was a rookie and a senior going up against two seniors. And Hosokawa got the shitty end of the stick for most of this match, to be honest with you. And the ending was particularly violent with Nagi using one of her finishers and lifting Hosokawa to deliver her other finisher um, just to rub Wazzle staring at Miyagi to rub it in, which will cause some fireworks, as you'd imagine. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Um, I like this for... Just the storytelling aspects that I could and couldn't understand. Because um, <laughs> obviously, like, just the, like, it, it practically was a match between Aoki and, and uh, Izuka just from a from an attitude perspective, like going back and forth. Like, they was like shout back and forth. And no, I'm sorry, I got the names wrong. Aoki and uh, mm. Nagi, like, they was like, Going back and forth, I'm like, wait a minute, do they know they're tagging together? Like, you know, it was it was it was interesting from that perspective because, uh, um, and then obviously, you know, Miyagi just always, you know, comes, you know, with the same attitude, just trying to get get things done. And uh, like you said, poor Yukari was kind of just caught in the middle. Um, but yeah, it kind of felt like a, a, a three way with an addition. Um, because it didn't always feel like Yoki and, and, and Unagi was getting along in certain aspects. But then as the match turned up, it seemed like they were trying to one-up each other in terms of who could dish out more punishment. Then obviously, like you said, towards the end, 
um, it became clear what the what the driving force was, and, and that was to, to you know, kind of embarrass and rub it in Miyagi's face that y'all were not ready for us, particularly me. And mm-hmm. she let that be known again, even though I couldn't understand it. What it appeared to be that she let her be let it be known again on the mic after the match. So, yeah. Yeah, this is an age-old um, trope in Joshi ever since really more than one company. But I think uh, my favorite version of it was when um, in Gaia, when Chigasona Gaio's two of Chigasona Gaio's um, uh, favorite proteges turned on her um, to go and be Ozaki's proteges. Um, and then they had a six-man tag match like a month later and Ozaki's team won clean and she's picked up the microphone what they've improved haven't they <laughs> and this is kind of like this is the mini version of that really with sayaki you know former stardom um, wrestler you know uh, ice ribbon wrestler journey woman of the of the scene coming to show up the youngster basically that's the story and it, it's it's simple and it works and it's the kind of thing that you can do when you've only got a three-person roster, to be honest with you, which is what they need to be doing. Um, yeah, and it gives compelling storylines for women, which aren't difficult to understand. AEW, take note. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I mean, AEW's doing not so bad, right? It's like the Ring of Honor women's division is based around the fact Athena's really tough and loads of really tough women wrestle her. So why can't you do that? <laughs> you know, it's just like that makes well, you know, you know, sense. When, you know, you got when you got three or four or five women, all you know, kind of you know publicly or via a reality show crapping on one woman uh, mm. who had certain things out of her hands when it came to what was going on with her uh, health wise when she was the champion. You know, you kind of get busy, and you know, you can't really. <laughs> have relevant and consistent storytelling when that that's kind of your narrative you know thankfully we do have athena holding things down um and killing it as the ring of honor women's champion and then obviously you got them just trying to find somebody to take on jade at this point um and make yeah. it believable that she, you know to beat her so um yeah they they, they still they, they still look like they're trying to get things together but they they gonna have to lock something in seriously if they plan on selling out you know, uh, things on your side of the pond, you know? That, that might be worth having, a, having a, a shout at doing that. I mean, Dara and Martin had a discussion about it, uh, I think, last week on the Rewind. Um, and maybe we, the, maybe we should have a Troopney show discussion about it. Um, I think Cy would like to be involved in that, as, you know, he's a British wrestling kind of person, and Jay uh, and John as well. And your good self, I think it would be interesting to have a conversation with all four of us about like, how do you make this show work? <laughs> yeah. It is like it's ninety thousand people is a big ask unless you have a lot of comps. So I, I think we'll I think we'll see. Um, but yeah, it'd be intriguing to see how it goes and stuff. Um, but yeah, oh, speaking of Joshi, a couple of things I want to raise actually. One, we'll do the fun one first. Um, Kenta Kibashi does a show called Fortune KK every year and he books it himself and this year he booked you and Chihiro Hashimoto the Sendai Girls World Tag Team Champions against Yonaki Yama and Minoru Suzuki 
and I put a tweet out. I didn't tag him in it or anything. I put a tweet out, which was, you, Kinta Kabashi, you glorious mad bastard. I won your champion forever. And he liked it. <laughs> oh, nice. That was really cool. It was like, I didn't mean to be rude, Mr. K- Mr. Kabashi, sir. Um, but yeah, he liked it. I noticed that that's inspired. Like, they're called 200kg, because they're like the biggest tag team in Joshi. And they're just double-hard and stiff. And Minoru Suzuki, Yunakanama, double-hard and stiff. What more could you want? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen, in all this time I've been watching New Japan and Minoru I don't think I've ever seen him in a ring against, you know, women. Um, uh, he does an awful... Minoru Suzuki, um, in real life, pretty much does what he wants. Um, and his New Japan contract was basically, has always been, you can wrestle for whoever you want to wrestle for, and uh, just leave dates open for us to use you. That's basically it. So when he has a rough weekend, um, for instance, he likes tagging with his mate, the deathmatch wrestler, Young Kasai, and tagging with Aji Kong. And one night in Oz Academy, they had a tag match, a six-person tag match, and I can't remember who they were against. But the other team got killed, basically, because it's Aja Kong, Young Kasai, and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the scariest woman that's ever lived, the guy that's held together with scar tissue, and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> so there you go. It's well worth it. It's a fun match as well, because Suzuki does some cool comedy stuff in it. Anyway, but yeah. So that was one thing that made me chuckle. And the other one was that Noah had a car today. It was a big car. We haven't covered it on the show. We might get to it in a while, but there's just so much stuff going on in the wrestling world. And they had their first singles women's match. And obviously that's influenced by there being an IWGP Women's Championship now and uh, Sasha moving, sorry, Mercedes Monet going to New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom. But also I think Glate has proved you can have a mixed roster and have women's matches that are important and match your style um and i think that's something that maybe we're going to see more of from now up so maybe more women's matches from now this from now on oh, i dig it yeah so that's cool let us move on though because we'll be here all night if we don't <laughs> we've been here for an hour now we haven't talked a lot but there's lots of cool stuff going on with um with you with your plate so we should Let's move on. Shin Aoki and Yu Iska defeated Sichi Kimoto and Tetsuji Izuchi in 11 minutes and two seconds with Iska taking the win over Izuchi. This ended with a bit of a bad-tempered scene to Ikimoto to Shin Aoki when Aoki attacked Ikimoto with a chair, which is very un-UWF. But this was a fun little um, back-and-forth tag match that was really down to the wire. What did you think of this one, Marcus? No, I, I, I liked it. I, I dug it. I thought it was great. I thought this this kind of showed the um, the kind of on your toes brilliance of these type of matches because I feel like obviously it was like Vet and Young Buck versus Vet and Young Buck because um, it was one of them things where I think it started with uh, Ikemoto versus like uh, you and then uh, Ikemoto kind of you know. He dictated the pace and kind of had you on the ropes, and then I think he backed him to the corner and, and, and asked for Yoki. Um, and and and, and, and Yoki was like, "No, I'm good. You stay with him. <laughs> you can stay. You can keep him in there. He's he's uh he's a fine opponent for you." Um, and yeah, and then he got in there and he, like I said, I think he 
dictated the pace and, and took a point off with you. And then um, Tetsuya came and did the same thing. And I'm like, okay, if this kid stays in, you know, they they might get knocked off. And uh, it was a great showcase for you because he had he ended up fighting back. And I think um, he got the, uh, Tetsuya in a, in a cross arm bar, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and came back, uh, what it was, 2-5 or 2-4. Um, but he, he, he pulled out the win. And I thought that was great because it kind of shows you that even, you know, when it looks like it's going to go one way, you completely turn and flip to the other side. So um, I thought you t- I took a lot of the brunt force in this match, but I think, you know, it showed just how resilient he is that he, uh, he pulled out that win. And it was a good look for uh uh, just him in general, because sometimes I get confused. I have to forget that he's not in 60 seconds because he looked like he would be. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was a good showcase for you, and it was cool to see those those vets. It's another great thing that uh, Lee does where they do a good job at pairing like um, the younger the younger uh, folks with the with the more uh, seasoned and, and experienced, uh, and kind of see how that turned out. So particularly with these UWF. Uh, installment so oh yeah for sure definitely yeah. it's it does make it much more interesting to watch let us move on to the third match from the end which was the big one commander yes that commander and i'll talk about him in a second tagged up with shima and t-hawk from strong hearts to take on black generation international this particular lineup was harley jackson utani and the debuting violento jack 13 minutes and 25 seconds with a win for Commander and Stronghearts. Just just to give you, like, the week that Commander had that week, by the way. And this is this is the thing, is, like, uh, as much as, like, everyone's talked about El Hijo del Vikingo, as they quite rightly should, because, by God, he's amazing. But Commander was wrestling on the 12th of March. He wrestled in Germany in a 16 karat gold tournament for WXW. On the 18th of March, so that was three days on the weekend. On the 18th of March, he, made, he wrestled for All Japan. On the 21st, he wrestled this match in Gleet. On the 24th, he was back in Mexico City to wrestle for AAA. Then he was in the, he was he had another couple of matches in, another match in AAA. Then he was at WrestleCon and wrestled Black Taurus and Commander for the Triple Crown, the, Mega A AAA mega title. He was then wrestled for GCW um, in the Grab the Brass Ring DLC. He then had that match with El Hijo del Vikingo at uh, Supercard of Honor that we discussed last week. The next day, he wrestled for GCW again. Then he did a TV taping against Sammy Guevara, um, had another match uh, in Mexico City, and then was back in uh back on the indie circuit in mexico by the 8th of april that was 20 days the commander two world championship matches and wrestled for five different companies on japanese tv american tv and mexican television i was saying when you were talking about that i was like somebody get this man some fluids yeah i'm because just i mean let alone the matches just the travel of it all that's insane um, but I mean, again, you know, you're a pro, you're as good as he is, um, the consistency of the match he had, the level of match he had, varying opponents or whatnot, um, 
Yeah, I mean, a, a, a couple guys I felt like had some extraordinary weekends. You know, somebody like Mike Bailey comes to mind. But, you know, I think um, it's, a, it's interesting, too, because, you know, obviously they saw him in AEW, and a lot of that audience got introduced to him for the first time. But, you know, like you said, you just mentioned everywhere that he went. I'm pretty sure he stole the show everywhere that he went, even in losses that he had. Because um, I don't know what the win-loss ratio was for that insane schedule that he had. But, um, yeah, that's 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 insane. I'm just glad that for this show, he was on this venue. Because they, they probably would have had to escort him out of the other venue. <laughs> there was enough room for him to work in this venue. What did you think of Valento Jack? Because he intrigued me. And I haven't come across him before. However, again, a bit of utility wrestler, but he can do it all in the sense of he wrestles in straight wrestling matches like this, but he's also a deathmatch wrestler as well. He, he Most of his matches he's had in Japan this year have been for freedoms um, in light, light tube matches and things like that. The kind of thing John and Anna would love, um, which isn't necessarily our cup of tea. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, and this this was him uh, making his late debut. He is a luchador. He isn't Japanese. He was trained in, in yeah, Mexico. That's that's, uh, that's interesting. He he kind of reminded me. Who was the? Um, I'm trying to think of the guy that they put on the other squad uh, in the match when we talked about it. Um, he was opposite the team of Flamita. Uh, was his name Cartwheel something? Cartwheel Jack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of reminded me of uh, that. Uh, maybe not as, um, you know, aerial, but you know, because you know, Violento, you you kind of got to live up to that. Um, but yeah, I thought he was interesting. I mean, and look, and with Hartley and, and Utana, you you know, you kind of had to differentiate yourself because Hartley's going to take care of most of uh, just the house of it all. Utani you know, is his own thing, and he, he kind of stands out just with how he looks, and you know, he he does well to work with and around Hartley, but, you know, I think Valento um, kind of held his own, and like I said, somebody like Amandia stands out, I mean, the, the the way he commands, like, just the execution of, of his area moves is just, it's, it's nuts, like, he, he literally looks like poetry in motion, and like I said, I'm thankful that he did, he was on this call for this venue, um, but yeah, I thought, I thought he was a unique addition. Hopefully, we see more of him um, as he could be used as, like you said, a utility player for uh, BGI. Definitely. Right, let's move on to the semi-main event, which was the G Infinity Tag Team Championship. Czech Shimitani and Hayato Tomorrow successfully defended the championships against El Lindemann and Soma Watanabe. Bit of a coming out match with Soma Watanabe. Lindemann taking Watanabe rather than another strong hearts member was intriguing. That's one thing to be said for that, though. You tend to see T Hawk and Seema tagging together. Um, and Seema and T Hawk were kind of otherwise disposed, I suppose. Um, but it certainly gives Watanabe a big lift. This is his first championship match. Um, and he lived up to the hype. He was absolutely excellent here uh, as a performer they didn't take the win, but it just jumps him instantly um, because this match was great. It wasn't the best match I think we've seen this year for the G Infinity Championships, but it was damn close. 
I think the last one we saw, we probably was probably would have said was the best one. I'm trying to remember who who did the last match, what the last championship match was. I'll check, I'll check that out. Um, but yeah, this match was great. What did you think of this one? No, I love it. I always appreciate these these tag team matches, particularly with you know um, when it when it's uh, potentially applying pressure to bulk orchestra like. But you know, Shimatani and Tomura just kind of show why they. You know, all the champions, you know, they, you know, they've gone to wars, you know, uh, defending those championships and then also the fighting to get those championships back. They're home for it, you know, um, and you've seen that in the chemistry. They got so they just so, you know, in sync with each other. And, and you know, even though they're two and they, they they operate like they're like a larger faction, even if it's just them by the ring and the orchestra is like absent, like they they very much move like it's a group of them. Um, but that's their style, and, and it works, and it and it kept, you know, Lindemann and Watanabe on the rope for a while. But I think, you know, Lindemann and you know both Lindemann and Soma kind of caught that second win towards the end. It was applying pressure, but again, you know, checking and Nayato, they just they they battle ready in those scenarios. You know, they know what to do. They know when to do it, which is even more important in a tag scenario. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, this wasn't their best because obviously, you know, we we seen you know what it took for them to get the titles back. But like you said, it was damn close, and it's great to see by like Watanabe get the spotlight because he's been stepping up um, a lot, and uh, he's gonna be a player. Um, I wouldn't actually mind seeing potentially him getting a TV title shot against uh, Tanaka. You know, maybe someone there. Yeah, that would be exciting. So let's just move on to our main event. Kato Ishida making his first defense of the GUX Championship and his challenge and challenger would be Kazuma Sakamoto. As we've mentioned in the previous show, Sakamoto doesn't have a lot of pedigree as a singles wrestler in Glate. He is 40 years old, though, and he is very experienced. I mean, he comes from K-Dojo. He's had a lot of um, experience wrestling for Wrestle 1. He had stints with Dragon Gate. He's had stints with um, some of the major companies. He has all of this experience. He still does matches for Pro Wrestling uh, for All Japan. You know, he did three matches there last year. He is a major player and does most of his work for Glate these days. He is a really good wrestler. Um, but it was an intriguing. It was an intriguing one from that point of view, in the sense we've seen him as a faction guy, not as a singles guy very often. So it was um, it was cool to see him break out. And then he produces a match like this, which is just absolutely awesome. Um, what did you think of this one? Because this was this was just on another level as far as like what we can expect from Nishida championship ring. No, he put, you said this was Nishida's first title defense, correct? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is what this was needed from both sides. Like, nobody lost here. Like, obviously, you had to have a, you know, technical win and loser, but nobody lost here. This was needed for, like you said, uh, Kaz to, uh, you know, for Sakamoto to, to stand out on his own and, and, you know, set a new standard for himself in the singles thing. Um, obviously, you had to come out strong out of the gate with a, with a defense, and you had to just show what, you know, that kid's capable of, and, and you know, Fushida, he got put through his paces. 
you know, about a more experienced guy. He had to fight for this in, in every sense of the word because he was like, if if this would have been UWF rules, uh, might have gone, gone a different way because he was he was getting dropped a lot. Um, but this was just good, and it was it was really great to see orchestra in a supporting role, um, the way that they were, and. Uh, yeah, like I said, obviously you got to have a technical winner and loser, but this, you know, nobody lost here. This only elevated Kazumoto. We're going to see him in hopefully several more instances like this going forward. And uh, that Sheeta needed a strong defense out the gate to set a pace for what very well might be as long, if not longer, of a reign than his, uh, the previous champ. So. We shall see indeed. And the person that came out to challenge uh, Ishida next was, of course, T-Hawk um, after their win over um, Black Generation International because um, they pinned, I think it was Yutani he pinned. So um, T-Hawk came out to challenge, which will be on the next big show we're going to look at on next weekend show. But that wraps us up on Glate um, for today. We will keep talking about them. So I don't think we should probably like think about the balance of these two shows. We'll think about the balance of all four shows at the end of next week. What did you, uh, where can we find you on the internet, Marcus? Yeah, you can uh, find me on, uh, I guess, in the Elon verse. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, on Twitter at Paradox Kid. That's P A R A D O X K I D. Always down the chat. Uh, you can find me at Sheriff Longstar on Twitter. You can find me at Sheriff Longstar on Mastodon and um, and on Instagram, Sheriff Longstar TX. You can find the show Trooping Show on Twitter, Instagram, and and um, Discord. We're well, we're Trooping Show on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Discord. We're Trooping Show podcast, and on Facebook we're the Trooping Show, and on Patreon we're the Trooping Show. We can keep us free forever for everyone. Um, yeah, we will see you next week. We'll be talking more late. Thank you very much for listening to today, and we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>